2: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I am welcoming back a good friend of mine, Jeff C., to talk about an experience and a book that he and I both had and read recently by Gay Hendricks. The book is called The Big Leap. We're going to go through our experience of reading that book, give a bit of a summary of what the book's about and some lessons you can take away from it. But then we're really going to hone in on the concept of time, specifically the concept of Einstein time, as Gay Hendricks, the author of the book, talks about and what that means to us. And we're going to pull out some practical steps that he and I have walked away with from that concept. So not to just have a philosophical conversation but to have some practical steps that you can take and walk away from and use as well. This week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Jeff C. Jeff, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: So you and I uh, experienced something together uh, about a month ago, a little over a month ago. We went down to Jeff Goin's Tribe Conference, which was fun. And I think we should talk a little bit about our experience there because we both were blown away by how well it was done and how good an event it was. But then we'll get into a book, that an audio book, I guess, that we both listened to on the way there and then start to unpack that. So
1: Yeah, this will be fun.
2: It'll be fun. So tribe conference. So for me, it was about a five, well, more like a six hour drive for you. I think it was a little longer, right? Like eight, maybe?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I did it in two days. So it was a fun, I was I always like road trips because it, you know, it gives me a chance to listen to podcasts and, and like this book we're going to talk about. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And it's, it's a pretty drive from where I'm at in Texas.
2: Yeah, it was good for me too. I just go straight South from Indiana down to, through Kentucky and through into, to Tennessee and then into Nashville. And it's honestly, this was the first time I'd been there in about two years which was long overdue got way too many friends down there that i don't see often enough and jeff goins has been on the show recently twice and i had just been meaning to go to his event for i don't know years now this i think was the third one if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken and the Mm -hmm. previous two years i was just like ah man i want to go down it's just a quick drive and this time i don't know what it was Was i just said earlier in the summer okay i'm going and so we locked it in and decided to go
1: (laughs) Right, and we talked about it, and uh, Eric and I are a mastermind together, and so we actually talked about a mastermind, and it was fun to meet up with uh, the other uh, member of our mastermind down there, and uh, yeah, it was a great conference. I mean, it was a decent-sized conference, but it felt really small, and Jeff did such a good job. It felt really intimate, but it was very, uh, it was just really well done.
2: Yeah, I think it was the best small conference, other than, say, maybe the exception of another one in Nashville, uh Craft content that I typically go to that, you know, Je- which is where I first met Jeff anyway, uh, used to be called Podcast Nashville. It was a Pod Camp in Nashville, actually, I think. Cool. Um, so what did we, th- I mean, the conference was pretty cool. Like it in and of itself was that really, like you said, it was really well done. It was small. It was intimate. It had a rotating speaker lineup that would come up and do, you know, about a half hour. We were lucky enough to hang out with Dan Miller. Mm-hmm. And a few other people, Aaron Walker or Aaron, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> there's there's a debate. And so that was fun. And yet the conversation kept coming back to between you and myself and even Cliff Ravenscraft, who was there uh, about this book. He'd been evangelizing everybody about called The Big Leap written by Gay Hendricks. And so unbeknownst to me. You <laughs> had said, uh, or, and I already decided I was going to risk, I was going to read it at some point or listen, try and find and listen to it. You said, Hey, I've got this loaded up for my trip down. So I was like, Oh, so I opened up an, an app that I don't know a lot of people know about. It's called Hoopla H O O P L A. And it's a digital app on my phone. And uh, I forget what else it, it I think it's cross platform. Uh, anyway, if you have a local library connection, most, a lot of libraries, I think, have connections to this app to where you can just literally download for a window of time, uh, ironically, um, the, you know, audiobooks or comics or movies or music albums. So I downloaded the book for free and (laughs) listened to it on
1: my way down. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, and see, I didn't know about that until after I had already yes. purchased the book. So I I bought the book, but I also get, I did that from Amazon and I'm a big Kindle guy. And so I, but I also, you know, I think for a couple extra bucks, you're able to get the audible edition. So I got the audible edition and listened to, to it down there. I didn't get all the way finished with it. Um, we actually, I actually got to the section that we're going to talk about today, and I had to finish it on my my Kindle reading it. But um, yeah, it was it was a very interesting uh, book on the way uh, to to uh, to listen to on the way down there, and uh, it was good that we got there and we had some discussion about it. And even the conference, you know, um, it's all about you know creativity and you know there's a lot of writers there and bloggers and stuff, and so it, it kind of fit into the whole creative thing that you and I talk about quite a bit. Um. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to dive deep in, 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 into this with you today.
2: I just realized that, ironically, also, listening to this audiobook the whole way down there made that five- to six-hour trip feel like it did not take five or six hours. <laughs> That's right. So uh, let's get into this book, though. So okay. one of the reasons that Cliff is evangelizing everybody about this book is this thing called the Zone of Genius. But before we get to that zone. I want to talk about some of the zones below it and then also some of the barriers, uh, that we self sabotage or Mm. have limiting beliefs about ourselves that keep us from getting up into those upper limits. So. The base level, I think, well, I think there's probably even a zone of incompetence (laughs) where people, you know, people, uh, so let's name them off real quick. So there's the zone of competence. There's the zone of excellence and there's the zone of genius. And I I guess I just made up the zone of incompetence where you're just in the zone (laughs) of getting nothing done of worth at all. Zone of competence for me. I I mean, again, these are going to vary between people and probably even between us, but I think the zone of competence is where we're just like, okay, you know, the bills are paid. And and, right. and and that's kind of, and okay, good. Like <laughs> that's about it. Like the the dishes are washed and or maybe not. <laughs> maybe but anyway, <laughs> I, I ate I ate dinner, the bills are paid, the kids are in bed. That's the right. zone of competence for me, I guess. Zone of excellence is where no, things are good. Like if people asked you, you know how we always say, you know, people are like, right. Hey, how are you doing? And you're like, Good. Oh good, yeah. You know, this is where you truthfully mean that. <laughs> you know, where right. you're like, I am getting everything. I'm I'm getting everything, not just everything done that I need to do, but you're getting some of the stuff done that you want to do, that you feel called to do, that you're created to do, made to do, however you want to put this, you're getting things done and you're getting more than just the things done that have to be done. You're getting the things done that you want to do, that fulfill you. So right.
1: that makes right. sense. So then how would you describe <laughs> the zone of genius? Well, you know, the interesting thing that that's something that you know, and I talked to Cliff a little bit about this at the tribes conference, but it's what you can do really better than anybody else, like in your circle. I mean, I-, I go I think it's a little far to say you're you're the best at than anybody else in the world because i there's always I think some people who can do things like you. But I mean, like in your circle, I mean, the things that you can pull together, that you're good at, that you couldn't, and I think somebody said something about like you know, you couldn't hire a first-year college student to do for you. You know, it's something that you do really, really well, and you excel at it, and it it com- kind of completes you in what you, you know, who you think you are. I mean, there's so many aspects of this. Now, the cool thing is, um, you know, I talked to Cliff about this because I wanted to know, you know, are you born with your zone of genius or or what happens there? And we talked about it, and and. Your zone of genius, and I would assume all the other zones as well, can change over time. Like you, your zone of genius may be different today than it is, than it was like three years ago. And I can really see that. So on this section of the book, I really it helped me kind of drill down into myself and really think about, okay, what, what am I good at? What am I excellent at? What am I just, you know, like you said, paying the bills with, with a <laughs> zone of confidence. So I, I really liked that section of the book and I, and it makes sense to me. So I, I liked, um, and even the, the stuff we, you know, the stuff that we self-sabotage and seeing how that can affect the different zones. I thought that was a really uh, insightful part of the book as well.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and for me, I go back to, a lot of the time, a quote by Jay Bear, which I don't fully have, you know, top of mind or in front of me. But he says something along the lines of, you know, delegating or only delegating to others the things that you shouldn't be doing because only you in your business – in fact, I know he said it on this show way back in the first, like, few episodes of this podcast itself uh, – that you should only be doing the things that you are uniquely qualified to do. It has to do with delegation and all of that. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, when it comes to zone of genius, yeah, I think that that, I think that that, uh, you know, much like our interests or our passions or even our talents, we may have innate or natural talents that we were born with others, you know, skills we, we grow and learn, you know, I didn't know, I, I didn't know that I liked podcasting. When right. I was born, right. uh, but it does make sense that I was interested in it because I was always walking around with this white radio and a cassette tape and recording things <laughs> and myself and my friends and family right. and whatever. So, but I think that that can change over time. Like, I don't know that none of us knows, for example, I mean, keeping with the threat of podcasting, none of us know. The shape or form or thread that podcasting will take as it moves forward for the next, you know, 40, 50 years or more while we're alive to to right. sort of say, I'm in my zone of genius doing podcasting for the rest of my life. Like, it's not that rigid, but it's similar And then ultimately, Gay talks a lot in the book about how we self-sabotage ourselves from moving from the lower levels into the upper levels and ultimately into the zone of genius with limiting beliefs and feeling like, you know, we, you know, when we feel like we can't do something, we have to check ourselves and feel like, you know, hey, why am I holding myself back? And there's a lot of, as I was listening to him read the book, I'm like, okay, this does make sense. There's a lot here, and I don't want to talk negatively about the book that much, but I think right. there's some real easy-to-gloss-over kind of frou-frou,
1: touchy-feely stuff mm-hmm. in it. <laughs> right.
2: But I think well, there's some concrete stuff, too.
1: Yeah, and, and here's and you and I have discussed this, too, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about seasons of life where we're at, and, you know when you're starting something, you know, and you're having to do stuff that's you're in the zone of competence, you are not, not being able to have time. Like we, you talked about delegating. Well, you know, it's great to say that like, Hey, just hire a VA or, you know, pass off the stuff that you're not good at when you're first starting and you're like a solopreneur, you know, that financially sometimes just can't happen. And you know, we hear a lot of these gurus and, and things like this, you know, be in your zone of genius. You need to do this, this and this. Well, sometimes you just can't and you have to work <laughs> in the zone of competence and move up to the zone of excellence and then get in your zone of genius. It's a process. I mean, you may be super good at something right now that's in your zone of genius, but the facts of life are you can't pass off. The stuff that you're having to do in your zone of competence just because of where you're at. And so I think that's important for your listeners to understand, too, that, you know, you got to take some of this with, you know, real life, too. I guess.
2: Yeah, there's a pacing to this, I think. There's not I mean, ironically, again, and I'm using that word a lot because it fits. It makes sense. Ironically, the book is called The Big Leap. But I don't know how much of a big leap it is. I think it's a – now, that said, I think there's probably a couple of times where it's, you know, motivational. No, you've got to thrust yourself forward and move from out of old ways of doing things into new the new way and the new way of being and all that. And And I can get behind that to a certain extent. But there's also this realistic realm of you have to build up slowly but surely. If I were to say to somebody, like to go, to go all Dave Ramsey on somebody, for example, if you've got right. a mountain of debt, you're not going to suddenly be debt free the next day because you decide you are. Right. That's just right. not the realistic reality right. of life. But that's right. not to say you couldn't have a sudden shift in your perspective or your perception of that debt and the ability to start hacking away at it.
1: Right. And I go back to a point back to Jeff Goins and his book, the um, oh, his just recent one, the um, real artists, real artists don't starve mm-hmm. and how he talks about, you know, everybody says leap in the net, the net will appear. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I really like his philosophy of like that may not be smart. If you've got a family. <laughs> and so that's the kind of the thing I go back to, too. It's like, you know. All these, the, the books and the self-help gurus and, you know, you've got to apply it to your life. You I mean, it's not one size fits all, all the time. And uh, I, I like this book because it did make me come and reevaluate, like I said, what zone I'm in and what can I think about passing off and what can I work towards. But yeah, it's, I think that it, taking it and applying, just like you mentioned with Dave Ramsey, there's some practical applications you have to think of.
2: Find a location near you at
1: bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: So here's the part of the show where we get all sci-fi and scientific or <laughs> theoretical, but I want us to come out the other end with practical application because I'm just going to say this up front. As I was listening to the book... And driving, he starts talking about Einstein time and talking about this concept of time. And I'm thinking, oh, this, this is like Porter, uh, this is productivity realm. Cool. What's he going to say? And he gets fully done with the Einstein time segment. And when he was finished, I said, wait, did I miss something? I don't (laughs) understand. And it's not that I didn't understand what he was saying, it's that I just fully feel like he does not fully elaborate or like he he left out like half a chapter by
1: accident right. because <laughs> <'Cause> I remember <laughs> Yeah. I remember we went to the uh we met at the conference and, and we both had read we listened to this and we both went, did you get what was that at the yeah. end? What what happened? Did we did we skip a, a chapter? Yeah. So I yeah, I'm right there with you.
2: Yeah, because he says in this thing i've discovered this secret and it's how i get twice as much done in half the time and i'm like ooh tell me what's the secret right. and he says it's einstein time and then i'm like okay but how are you applying the th- i mean and he, then he goes on to explain and we will in a minute he explains what einstein time is but then once he's done explaining it he then says now because i now because of this i get twice of twice as much done in half the time but what the 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 connecting piece was missing between okay how are you applying this theory to your life that you are then getting twice as much done in half the time and i'm starting to see it now but only by my own digging and thought process outside of the book it's it it is honestly a weakness of the book and i'm just going to be mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest and upfront about that but i still feel like pondering einstein time <laughs> as opposed to N- newtonian time as he puts it is worth going through so, and I think you landed in the same place as I did.
1: Right. Yeah. And let's call it Einsteinian time because it sounds more Star <laughs> Trekky. So,
2: <laughs> Right. I'm going to read through a couple of things he says straight out of the book here. So he says, specifically, I discovered I had time all wrong. There was never enough of it and I was rushed or there was way too much and I was bored. I never got all the things done that I needed to, even though I felt like I was working overtime. Then one magical day, I had a big realization. My understanding of time was based on an outmoded Newtonian paradigm. In a flash of insight, I saw that Einstein's paradigm was the way time actually worked. He then goes on to say, at the heart of Newtonian time, the time, time crunch is a dualistic split. We are deluded into thinking that time is out there, an actual physical entity that can put pressure on us in here. When we switch to Einstein time, we take charge of that amount of time we have. We realize that we are where time comes from. We embrace this liberating insight. Since I'm the producer of time, I can make as much of it as I need. Now, we should probably say what Newtonian time is and then probably round out with a little bit of what Einstein did actually say about time before we move on to comments and uh, interpretations. So Newtonian time is essentially the 24-hour day, 60 minutes to an hour, 24 hours to a day, seven days a week, what we are used to and has been proven to be actually the structure that time moves on. He's saying, <laughs> without saying it, he's saying, and, and again, this is one of those things where it's like, wait, so you're saying that's not true at all? Like, there's no con- like, right, yeah. there's no day or night. I, up is down, left is right. Like, right.
1: That's dogs and cats it, living together. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I don't know that he's saying that, but what he doesn't ex- specifically say is, you know, in his throwing out the Newtonian baby with the bathwater, <laughs> what I prefer to say is this. Newtonian time, it is the structure that exists. It is time as we live inside of it. However, Einstein time or the way that Einstein talks about time is this other way of looking at that structure where you have maybe more freedom or less rigidity. There's all these people are like, oh, no, don't schedule my time because then I don't have any free time or don't, you know, if you structure me to death, like I'm going to feel constricted. And so I could see Einstein time being this like really appealing thing to those people. So the thing that Einstein said is literally this, the distinction between the past, present and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. And again, I don't know how much he actually believed that or he was just spouting like smart guy knowledge, you know, (laughs) like just, you know, I'm going to get a rise out of these people. Watch this. I'll tell them time is there's no such thing as time. You know, I don't know. But uh there was also this other quote from Einstein where he says that, you know, a moment with my love is like a minute, but a moment, you know, a minute on a, sto- you know, with a hot stove is like, feels like an hour. Right. And ultimately what this comes down to Newtonian time is not like thrown out the window. Like it, it's just not true. We still structure our days or they're structured for us by right. that. But Einstein time is this way of looking at the freedom that we have in claiming and molding the time that we use.
1: Yeah, anyway. it, it's, it's all about perception. And see, what I got hung up on when I first heard this and then read it is that the quote that you – towards the end when he says, since I'm the producer of time, I can make as much of it as I need. And I'm like, what? You can't make – Time, you know that's where I got hung up. Yeah, on you don't it. And point then, your
2: finger and shoot out. Yeah,
1: time, time. Chew, yeah, it <laughs> doesn't happen that. I mean, like even for, for this podcast, we we were going to record it at a certain time, and we had to meet together at a certain time. We didn't just. I didn't say, Eric, create some time, and I'll and I'll somehow meet you in there. You know, in my created time, it doesn't work like that. And so that's where I had a little bit, tr- a, a bit of uh, hang up on this yeah, kind of thing. That, but it, as guess, well it's as all him about not
2: per- like applying specifically now because of Einstein time, here's how I get twice as much done in half the time. Right. So right. it kind of left me hanging. I'm like, wait a second, dude, you didn't finish the chapter and right. it's on to the next one. And I'm like, I literally hit rewind and went back and listened to it again <laughs> yeah, and
1: still didn't feel like it was fully completed thoughts. Right. And so it does. And, and you and know, I have discussed this at length. And <laughs> yes. one of the thing is, is I think it, it's all about perception. It's all. It, and we'll talk about this, the perception thing. And, and there's this quote that goes around the Internet. I see it all the time. And it may or may not have been said by Einstein. But he says the the only reason for time is so that everything doesn't happen at once. And I kind of see that, you know, um, it, it's all about perception. You know, I think it's, you know, time flies when you're having fun kind of a thing. And that's how I when when I boil down this whole thought about Einstein time, it's it's the perception of time. Mm -hmm. And when you take this concept and
2: the perception of time back towards the thrust of the majority of the, you know, like let's see, three-fourths of the book, this comes in. The first three-fourths of the book is all about those zones and progressing through and getting rid of the barriers that keep you from moving towards and into the big leap to the zone of genius. Mm -hmm. At which point, when you're in the zone of genius, he doesn't necessarily say this, but I think it's implied you're not doing things that aren't part of your zone of genius. Like, in other words... someone else would translate it like this. I'm too busy working on my zone of genius and in my zone of genius where I am uniquely qualified. I'm not uniquely qualified to do the dishes. So somebody else should probably do those. (laughs) That's the error of it that I got. And and I may just be listening, you know, I may just be reading into that and or attaching other entrepreneurial, like bogus advice that I've heard other people say. Mm
0: -hmm. But
2: that's the way some of it comes across where it's right. like, so then when you apply that to this and it's like, no, it's never, it's not about how much time you have. You can make all the time in the way you never n- don't have enough time. You, tell that to somebody who's time crunched. Right. And I don't mean somebody who's just not, I don't mean somebody who is just uh, agreeing or going along with Newtonian time and isn't a believer in Einstein time. I mean, somebody who understands that time is about perception And it can go fast or slow based on what you're doing with it. They still know there's a reality where things that you don't want to do have to get done. And sometimes you're the one who has to do them. And I think that's a dangerous place for us to get to as a society or in entrepreneur land where we just say, you know, I don't want to do those things or I don't I will just wax over those things as not part of the reality.
1: Right. I think that um you know the, that that quote I said before that you know that that I'm the producer of time I can make them much of it as I need that he said I really like the a, a quote by uh, Charles and it says you will never find time for anything if you want the time you must make it that that makes me mm-hmm. that makes more sense to me because just like when you first started this podcast you had to say no to other things to figure out how to set up your equipment how to you know interview guests how to learn how to you know tag it and upload it to iTunes, all that stuff because you made the time, made the time. You didn't really make the time, but you prioritize stuff. So that's why I like that quote a little bit better is you know, if you, you'll never find time for anything, but if you want the time, you got to make it. So it's not like creating time out of nothing. You're shifting your priorities to get what you need to get done, done. Yeah. I I feel there's, there's, there's potentially
2: a dangerous place to go in buying completely in on a theory of Einstein time, where is where it is that you throw out the responsibility of being a good steward of your time, you right. know, like, and, and I said this to you literally, and I had to write it down. Uh, I said, if time is unlimited and I can always make more then there's never anything I'm spending my time on. That is the wrong use of my time. And I just, I know that that's just not true. There are things right. I probably should never be doing. It is a complete and utter waste of my time. But to have the excuse, the, to have the excuse of, no, I make time. I can shoot out time lasers out of my fingers and make more time. <laughs> right. Then that means that there's never anything wrong for me to be spending my time on. And again, that's just not true. Time is a resource and it's outside of ourselves, but the perception of that resource, just like our perception of money. Our perception of time is how we become a better steward or, you know, become responsible
1: with it. And, you know, and you and I talked about the the perception of time and how that works. Like, and I I dive into creativity a lot and, you know, all of us have that thing where we've, they call it the flow state sometimes where you're, you're doing something, you're like writing a blog post or you're, you're creating some art or whatever. And it's just, you're in the zone, you have that flow state and you look up and time has just shot by. It's like in the middle of the afternoon Mm -hmm. and you're like, I need to eat something. I'm about ready to pass out. And so, you know, that's, that time feels like it's, it's sped up. And then there's the opposite of like, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we'd always have to go to Christmas Eve service. And I was just like, gosh, this is dragging on forever because I just wanted to go home and go to bed so I could wake up (laughs) and be Christmas. And, you know, that time would just drag and be so slow. And so, you know, that's how I see, you know, the, the perception of time. And, you know, then how do we flip that and almost hack it? To get into those states and how do we, you know, optimize those time, you know, to get into those flow states and with our productivity and and, and prioritizing where it seems like it's increasing our time and it seems like we're creating that time out of nothing.
2: Yeah, definitely. So aside from some of the shortcoming of this portion of the book, there is some concepts here that I think you can walk away with and say, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Well, if I really want to be in my zone of genius, if I want to be operating at my highest level possible and working on the stuff that only I should be working on and not working on something that somebody else should be doing. Husbands and wives, this does not get you out of doing the dishes or other things (laughs) around the house. Just get over that. But it does mean that there are things that you can do to either have more time to spend in that zone, working on those things in that zone, I should say. Or to zoom through or make time feel like it's going faster when you're doing or have to do those things that you you know need to do, have to do, that you can't get off your plate just yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I've noticed, like, so for example, a story from my life back in the day, back during college, I had a semester off. So the summer before that semester off and then that semester off, it was like eight, nine months. I was working in a warehouse and it was grueling work, but my body was in much better shape. So that was fine. Um, but it took, I mean, my, my day, my eight hour days just drug on until I started bringing in, uh, mixtapes in my Walkman. Remember Walkmans? Yeah, Uh, yeah. Back before MP3s and only by a few years, by the way. Uh, and I, and I, by the way, I used cassette tapes because the, even though CDs were out, like I didn't want them to skip. So, but once I started listening to music, Suddenly, it was as if time was molded or folded in on itself, and I could get right. through an eight-hour day no trouble. And I'm walking home, listening to music, and I'm like, do do do, you know, I'm like shooting winks at the people as I walk by, and put my <laughs> finger in like, you know, that scene in like Five Hundred Days of Summer in Central Park. Anyway, that's one of those ways, like music and podcasts, even, <laughs> and heck, I'll say it, even Netflix. These are like multitasking in a good way it's it's not that you're fully listening to the music or fully doing the task that you don't want to do but what it does do is it makes that task that you don't want to do bearable so that you don't procrastinate on it any longer in other words getting something done or more done than nothing done does that make sense
1: right right like
2: spending three hours on something that should only take one hour is better than spending zero hours and not getting it done at all.
1: Right. And and, and you and I both are big uh, fans of the, the new focus full focus planner by Michael Hyatt. And that's one of the things that's really helped me with is that, um, you know, prioritizing those three things you're going to do that day. And I'm going to pull out another quote because I think I haven't even got it from the full focus planner. <laughs> but it says, that, you know, uh, this is by Calvin Coolidge. and says, we cannot do everything at once. We can do something at once. And I think uh, as a lot of uh, creatives and high achievers do this is we almost get in vapor lock where we've got all these tasks. We have this huge task list and, you know, you and I've talked about, you know, how to do the task list thing, but it seems like overwhelming and we just get in vapor lock and we're like, okay, where do, where do we do? But almost we need to start something to move us on that zone of um, excellence or even a zone of just plain productivity. And then that, you know then we can get into those flow states or the creative uh you know ways to you know speed up time and and i think speeding up time or whatever is almost it seems like it's going fast because you're doing so much and you're getting so many things accomplished
2: yeah i agree so you're getting into something that i hadn't even really meant to say but you know what let's do this there is a re- this is going to sound very common sense but again Sometimes common sense isn't very common, as my dad used to say. It drove me nuts that he would say that because that was like the one smart piece of wisdom he had other than the rest of his jerky comments. But anyways, um, <laughs> but it is very obvious here if you think about this. Number one, we need to take a look at all the stuff that we have said yes to already, hmm. either yes to ourselves about it or yes to others. And again, that ties back into the limiting beliefs where it's like you feel like you have to say yes to others or you feel like you have to say yes to yourself. There's like uh, – and even John Acuff gets into this, and I'm going to mention him again in a little bit, these secret rules that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, I've seen him speak on this now twice, and uh, it, it's it's liberating. If you can identify what the secret rules are that you have inside your head about, I can't do this or I, I, that's not a thing I can do or, you know, this is the way things are. What are the things in your life that you've said yes to because you felt like you have to versus that you wanted to? And then again, that's not to say that you can't say yes to things you don't want to do once in a while because you have to. There's a certain thing called responsibility. Right. yeah and and it's and it's and and actually those jut out from a previous yes that you've said probably to a spouse or something, so anyway, or to an employer right. um but it's getting it's doing that homework, in other words, up front, sitting down and saying, no, you know what, I am overwhelmed, I do feel like I have too much on my plate, I am going to assess, I'm going to write it all out and say, of all this stuff like which what of this stuff do I want to be doing, what of this stuff do I need to be doing' And which of these is, is a neither of those, you know, <laughs> and start yeah. cutting stuff off the list. Then it's about figuring out, okay, how can I spend more time doing the things that I want to do? How can I move faster through the things that I need to do, but don't, don't necessarily want to do? And right. that's, that's one of the things where, again, John Acuff comes in and talks about making things fun.
1: Yeah exactly
2: and even then that's all about perception it's about gamification it's about hacking the thing it's about saying this is the goal or this is where I want to be this is the thing that I'm uniquely qualified to do and I want to be doing more of it how do I get to that point but I flip it on its head to where it's not that not a have to it's a I get to I am privileged to I am blessed to be able to hashtag blessed
1: (laughs) and, and there's a perfect example of that so like before the tribes conference for like almost i don't know was it two or three months we had done this uh kind of challenge where uh, our our mastermind was not going to eat sugar uh any alcohol um and bread and what was is that it what was the I other think thing
2: primarily so. it was just pr- cleaning you know no processed yeah. food no sugar no alcohol and it
1: was and it wasn't it. fun it's not a fun thing yeah. especially if you eat sugar for your life but we had this it was a gamification like you talked about we um we we kept each other accountable. We said, how do we do this? We shared recipes on stuff we could eat. Um, and we had a little app that called Streaks that we used that would count the days and all that kind of thing. So um, it wasn't fun, but it sure helped – us accomplish that task. And I think that that goes back to what you were saying, which uh, John Acuff said, because, you know, not all tasks will be like, woohoo, this is so much fun to yeah, do. Not, but all if you of can, it, not all of the
2: tasks in our entrepreneurial life or life in general <laughs> are glamorous. Right. It's and so
1: never going to be. And so figuring out ways, like you said, to hack it, or like even with a... St- stupid little streaks app, which all it does is you're pressing a button, but the stupid lizard brain in you, you know, wants to hit that button. Like I'll go do my exercise and it'll automatically do it because it syncs to my watch. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it myself. I want to touch that button, you know? And so uh, I think what we're talking about here is like how to do that. And that, and it does tie into, uh, to time. And, um, I also want to say that, you know, we're not saying not to, you know, just let things go and make everything fun and don't set a deadline. There was a great article today I read about from Seth Godin, and he was talking about how important it is have to, to set deadlines because it does make you work towards things. You know, you, having a deadline is like, you know, OK, here we are. Uh, there's another I'm going to do another quote because I because I think it was in the full planner again. But it was uh, to uh, achieve great things. Two things are needed, a plan and not quite enough time. And Bernstein said that, and I thought that's just hilarious because that's the way I work a lot of times. It's like, it's, it's almost like, okay, I know I have this speaking engagement and Oh, here I, I start getting a little, the butterflies and that, and that spurs me on. And there's nothing, as long as we manage that and not, you know, we're not having heart attacks because we're stressing ourselves out enough, but having deadlines, um, to make you have time, I mean, to structure your time and, and, it's important and it's something that we can use to our benefit and not always have to freak out about.
2: Yeah, it's important to have that ebb and flow and that push and that pull. I hate being up against a deadline, but sometimes that is what is needed to right. recalibrate priorities at the last minute or, you know, when things are down to, you know, crunch time. And again, a lot of what he proposes Einstein is for, Einstein. Einsteinian time is for is to eliminate that feeling of being crunched by time. Mm -hmm. But I think that Einstein time is this is this way of looking at it to say you can change or lean into your perception of time to hack the things that you have to do, need to do and move more into doing more of the things you want to do. But again, you have to take a look and see by doing the homework, what are the reoccurring things that you've agreed to do? What are the things that you've committed to? Who are the people you've committed to? What are your priorities? And then also, how can you hack it in terms of making things go faster when you don't want to be doing them? Although, (laughs) I've had recent podcast episodes about this. There is a great benefit to doing something without hacking it that is hard or that is something you don't want to do and spending your time fully immersed in that Mm. moment doing it. I refer to this as the wax on wax off, because if you remember the (laughs) the karate kid, like he doesn't he doesn't want to be paint the fence or wax on wax off of the cars. But once He's put in those hours and that time. Like in other words, I'm saying hard work builds character. And sometimes right. you have to just do the hard work and put in the amount of time that it's going
1: to take. Right. And, and he was building <laughs> and he was building muscle memory. I mean exactly. and that, it just it's exactly the same thing with a pianist, or even if you're trying to be creative and, you know, creating even just blog graphics. I mean, just doing it causes that creativity muscle to expand and contract and also build up. And so, yeah. Uh, I think that's that's super important. And also, you know, you had mentioned um how I mean he talked about how you know time with his love spent you know that hardly took any time. And it, whenever anybody asks him, he says I have all the time in the world, which I took away. And it kind of it was a little bit woo woo, but. I took away from it is being in the moment. And I know you've mm-hmm. had podcasts about this. And even when, even with the Cal Newport, when you talk to him about his deep work, trying to do that has a lot to do with this time concept as well is, you know, when I'm with my kids or my family, I need to be in the moment in time with them and, and, and not looking at my phone, not yes. being distracted, you know, just like this, you know, this podcast, we had to we had to think about what we were going to say. We kind of, you know, knew we were going to do this topic, but I took time to think about it and be in the moment here with you to record this. And so it's it's so important of uh, even productivity is, is, and you mentioned hacks and, you know, we've talked about moving priorities, but when we're doing what we're needing to be doing is being there in time, you know, in the moment.
2: Yeah, I agree. And so this this really does intersect like, 12 different episodes in the last
1: right. 2 yeah.
2: years that I can remember whether it's uh like you said Cl- uh, Cal Newport or uh Brooke McCallery recently even the one that I did a week ago on the Sabbath that has a lot mm-hmm. to do with that um one that I mention all the time is uh Rob Bell from about a week uh, a, a summer ago and again it's not just about being highly productive it's about getting the right things done and pacing yourself. And I would say that all along, as I've been talking about saying things like getting the right things done and not just getting more things done, I've been all along pushing towards this idea that there are certain things that only you can do. You're not, you know, I'm not going to say, Hey, you're, you're some unique snowflake, beautiful and all that. But at the same time, no, you're a human being, with value and worth. And there are things that only you can do. You have a unique perspective, even if someone has a someone else has a similar talent sphere or uh spectrum or perspective. You're still just you, you know, and I don't know. Anyway, that is, again, it's
1: getting into that frou-frou area. Right. You're unique, just like everybody else. You're unique.
2: You're you. When I'm special, if everybody gets an award, no one gets an award. I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) anyway, we've we've beaten this to death. I think at this point. But the takeaway here is you can be in control of not just the way you structure your time, Newtonian wise. You can then transform the way that you use that time, stewarding it through a perspective of Einstein time. By having a better perspective or perception of the time that you have. Well said. So, uh, I, I would love to continue this conversation in the comments for this episode. You can find those at beyond the to do slash one nine seven. And, uh, Jeff, if you want, you can jump over there too. So
1: cool. That'll be fun.
2: Yeah. So, all right. Well, Jeff, I know that uh, this has been fun and uh, I'll have to have you back on again next time we both read a book <laughs> and want to right, you know, ramble, really. ramble on it. So, right. Well, thanks for having me. So have I changed your perspective or perception of time with this episode? I hope that I at least got you thinking or that Jeff and I in our conversation got you thinking so that you can start to ponder the amount of time or the source of time, etc., in your life. And what you're going to do with it. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Again, Formstack. Make sure to go to formstack.com beyond for a free trial. And to receive a promo code for 25% off your first three months. And BarkBox. If you have a dog in your life, whether it's yours or someone you know and you're very fond of it. Get an extra month free with your 6-12 to 12 month plan by going to barkbox.com beyond. If you found this conversation interesting and want to pass it on to somebody specific that you thought of as you were listening, do me a favor, share it with that one person that you know would be interested in listening to this conversation. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.